This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting Supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go. www.rockabilia.com They've sold over 18 million records worldwide. You guys rock! You've never heard them like this. Live at the Paramount. Stephen Piercy's performance will leave you breathless. Metalsucks.net raves. It's a must-see. Voters in the Mosh Pit Monthly says, I was there, and I'll never forget it. Rat, live at the Paramount. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. What? Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is I, your host, uh, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... My name is Brandon Gooch Hahn, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy Gooch. And back from the hospital, feeling good, looking good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's me. That's me. I survived. I survived. Hashtag the hospital. Um, <laughs> it's Jocelyn Sharp. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. And this week, guys, uh, finally, 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 I got to talk to Scott Vogel of Terror, a band that I love so much. Their new record, Total Retaliation, came out this past Friday. It is out right now. Make sure you do pick up a copy. It is phenomenal. It's one of my favorites of the year, no doubt. And before that, guys, as always... We love to talk about that Metal Sucks news, the story that we all want to talk about. We here at the Metal Sucks podcast are all fans of Machine Head. Is that fair to say? Fair. Mm. Fair to say. Okay. Fair. We here at the Metal Sucks podcast think that their last record was quite embarrassing. Is that fair to say? It was like vomit with diarrhea yeah. drizzled over it. You, mm. you said it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You mispronounced pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like, I, yeah. The reason it's not a pile of shit, if you guys want to pick up a copy, is because it came with a live DVD of the Bloodstone and Diamonds tour, and that thing is worth it. I would take that. I'm telling you. I would the, take if, that. You, if you buy a physical copy. So the point is, though, is that Machine Head, Phil Demmel, Dave McClain, such important part of that fucking band, have decided to leave, and Rob Flynn did announce that. Now, we are just going to speculate here on why they decided to leave, but we all assume that their last record, Catharsis, has a big part to do with it. What do you guys think? I think that. I think, I think that... 
Uh, it's probably not I it's not like they made the album and then it sucked and they were like well we should just leave I think that the album sucking was probably and I'm being very mean about it I'm being very mean but I've been vocal about this before I just didn't like the album and I'm a big Machine Head fan so it was angering for me to listen to it after having a great two years of watching them tour on the last one this album feels to me like a symptom maybe of a problem like maybe this album sucked because there was already trouble brewing and this is just this coming to a head do you think maybe it's because both of those guys were writing songs the entire way and then uh all of a sudden they're like one of them was like uh we're doing it this way and this way only. Well, ro- yeah, Rob Flynn yeah. is the mastermind. So there yeah. you go. He is the guy that's going to call the shots. But however, though, I think that... But I mean, if you're not going to let your vision. other bandmates have any creative input into it, I mean, it's like, that's that's got to drive some people away. I mean, wouldn't you expect? Yeah. But the vision of the band has always kind of been known. The vision on this record changed completely. So they probably don't share that vision. And... How hard do you think it would be to play songs that you don't care, but your mastermind's like, no, we're playing them, even though you don't you don't like them? That would be very difficult. You die in the inside every yeah, single time. it would be yeah. terrible. I mean, it's like, could you imagine doing something that, well, you're a performer, yet you're supposed to be playing stuff that you didn't write that you don't even like? I mean, how you can't fake it. The second you fake it, the audience knows you're faking it. Does this also kind of give us kind of insight on where the next Machine Head record will probably go? Do you think that <laughs> Rob Flynn's like, yo, this is our new... Rob Flynn's going to team up with uh, Fred Durst. Yeah. <laughs> have a nice rap rock combo going on there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so like, do you think that might be something to do with it, that they're, that he's not into you know, the albums that he did with... I don't guys? think that he's not into it. I think that he's probably just a victim of his own ego. Like a lot of musicians end up being someday, you know, that's a lot of, it's a lot of them having creative differences. And if he's the spearhead for that and he's not listening to it now, he's not going to listen to it in the future. So he seemed, if that's the, if that's the path you're going to walk, you're going to be one of those people that like walks it to the grave where you're just like, I'm taking this to the grave. Even if you show me I'm wrong, you know, Attila. Basically, what I'm saying is he's a flat earther. Now, I didn't get that at all, Joss. <laughs> so I, I was listening. You weren't reading between the lines. I, I definitely was. Yeah, you're believing yeah, the you, truth, sheeple. Yeah. You're a fucking surface kind of guy. Joss and I dig deep. <laughs> now, do you think at, at, for any reason that Rob Flynn should just call Machine Head and they should end this band? He just yes. starts up Yes, yes. This is the thing. Is Yes, I know Rob Flynn. This is his band. It's like the Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, but... I agree with you. I think that Machine Head should close its doors if those dudes leave at this how point many, as well. Okay, how many yeah. of these conversations do we have to have on this podcast where it's like 95% of the team left? Yeah. yeah. It's not the team anymore. No shit. <laughs> like, you can't just like be like, well, I'm still here. So it's still the same. No, it's not. You can't be like, the Avengers can't be like Iron Man by himself. And he's like, well, I'm the Avengers. And you're like, no, you're Iron Man. And he's like, but I'm still kind of the Avengers. And yeah. You're like, no, yeah. you're not. Just call yourself Robot Head and be done with it. <laughs> yeah. Change the fucking name. Robot move on I calculator got face i got yeah, that exactly, i got yeah. that flat earth reference yes. good job good I'm job robot head stay positive <laughs> <laughs> moving on to some more sad news so yeah machine head uh you know the way it works with me is that when one record is really not in my liking i'm like all right i bought this one but if you do it again i jump ship so machine heads on that boat if the next record's good i'm back on but if the next record's like catharsis then yeah i jump ship so Moving on, guys, to the next story that happened right here in our hometown of Las Vegas, Nevada. And we hate when stories like this happen ever. But uh, Harm's Way, they got robbed of over $20,000 worth of gear. And there is a crowdfunding campaign launched, guys. I do want you to go to metalsucks.net. 
click on this link, go find the crowdfunding. If you can donate five bucks, anything. They're on tour right now with Scott Vogel and Terror as we're talking about this, and anything you guys can help out would really be appreciated. Now, where it got robbed at, we in Vegas know this place. It's a parking lot in the Lexor Casino. It's cursed. It is a cursed parking lot. There's prostitutes have been murdered there quite often. And, yeah. and like like we know this is not a good spot. Now, obviously, Harm's Way is not going to know this, so but it is an empty lot, but on the strip what but what if you were looking for a spot to kill a prostitute that's pretty perfect i mean i mean under the watchful eye of an egyptian god for real (laughs) (laughs) thank you rock (laughs) jesus just we're not promoting prostitute killing in the lexor parking lot but yes look how else are we gonna pay how else are we gonna pay tribute to anubis don't shoot the messenger i'm just saying it's a good location yeah so they got their entire trailer stolen with yeah. all their, their all they had a whole thing of merch, their gear, everything. This happened to hell, yeah, yeah, in the same area, in the yeah, same dude, parking yeah. lot, yeah, <laughs> it, it did dude, to hell, yeah. dude. He tells a story. There's a video of it uh, where he tells a story where he's talking about uh, how they got their merch. It wasn't their gear, but it was their merch. Yes. So they ended up finding it. They ended up, the cops ended up finding it. Uh, it was like some tweakers. They, yeah, first in off, his garage, yeah. right? And he was selling it out of his garage. This is what it was. They stole the tour bus. That's what it was. They stole the actual tour bus and it had all their merch. So they find the tour bus. There's some tweaker living in it. And then they find, they then they find the other tweaker and he's got all their merch and he's selling it in the front of the driveway of his house. <laughs> yeah. He's like, get your hell yeah shit. It's a you garage know? sale. Yeah. Their stuff. Yeah. 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 And the tweaker had like ripped all the weird electronics out of the tour bus too. The one that had the bus like this, this just, if you come to Vegas, don't put anything valuable, your prostitutes or your tour buses in this parking lot. Yes. Okay, we're going we're gonna to say it one Make more time. Make sure you put a prostitute in a locker. Yes. Or something. Never leave your prostitute unattended. And if you see an unattended prostitute, pick up a blue phone. Mm-hmm. If you see something, say something. Ask her, do you know where your pimp is? <laughs> The bands that listen to this podcast <laughs> do not park your stuff in that Lexor parking Don't. lot. <laughs> do not. Yeah, do first it. off, and it's also pronounced Luxor. It's Luxor. He's with right. A U. He's right. Just like nuclear, I can't say Luxor. Thank you. I said and it. You right just there. did it right there. Oh, I'm so proud of you. You're growing <laughs> up right in front of me. It but, literally is. It's primed to steal shit because it's so close to getting to the freeway. Like, oh, it's right behind there. Yeah. yeah. So the, it, don't don't park your shit there. Don't park. Be anything there just don't go there it's like pitch black it's I fucking mean, shady as shit back it there. has like little like the little lights but i mean yeah it's it's that's the one rule of any city if you just look down from like a mountain and you see all the street lights are out don't go to that part of town yeah, for yeah. Real. don't go to that part yeah. of town yeah and this unfortunately <laughs> this parking like, lot is that part yeah of town. when it's keep in mind it's vegas everywhere is brightly lit right and then if there is a dark spot in vegas there's some dark shit happening right there and then there's well, either a seance there's some murder something we're coming up on spooky season you know that part in every scary movie we're like like they look down the one road and the lights start to go out yeah. the furthest street. And you're like, yeah, this looks like the way to go. <laughs> and they keep going that way. Don't yeah. do that. That's that's the Luxor parking lot. So if you got two things from this conversation, do not park in that Luxor parking lot. Or, anybody, or if you're going to murder a prostitute, no, no, do no. it there. Don't no? leave her alone. Ign- oh. Ignore Brandon on that. Oh. And, and number two, guys, make sure you go over to metalsucks.net. Find the story on harm's way getting robbed. Click on that GoFundMe and donate and help these guys stay on the road. Um, and then spread the word on that parking lot. That's just so shitty, man. It, I hate it. When I hear about scumbags doing it, I, I, w- I want to do like a Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson type of thing <laughs> and just like get their voice and then track them down and then, you know, tie them to like a light yeah, switch. Yeah, but now in my head you're going to end up on some boat and there's going to be like an amp on a circle inside of a dark room. There's going to yeah. be men sitting with buttons making yes, bids on it. Yes. <laughs> 
Nice. Next story, because I didn't get that flat Earth reference. It was at a all. reference to the movie Taken. None oh. of the last. Oh, that's right. It's three a po- references. Yeah, <laughs> you got to understand. I want to be flat Earth. Cool. Jocelyn, it's a popular movie, so of course Pete's not going to watch it. Oh, I've seen Taken one. Okay. I haven't seen all three. You're supposed to watch all three? No, yes, no. Yes. You watch just the first one. It's That's the, the only the one you need. Yeah, yeah. And all three get stolen. <laughs> no, I've seen every other version of Taken that Liam Neeson has done, like on the airplane, like nonstop. I've seen all those. So, anyways, I, I appreciate me some Liam Neeson. He's a badass, but he will always be dark man to me. Moving oh. on. So, Dave Grohl, right? Everybody loves Dave Grohl. I know he's not metal, but he's pretty much like just a dude that I think icon. Everybody loves him. Love right? him. So he's like the one famous guy that I don't know anyone that hates. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they, they could take him or leave him. But I mean, they're like, there's no, there's no like, oh, fuck it, Dave Grohl. The only you know? person hear I heard that. talk shit about him was Buzz from the Melvins. And he talked mad shit about Dave Grohl. That was it, though. Right. Which was, so there must have been some beef in the, in the past because, you know, Nirvana and the Melvins were whatever. But anyways, that was the only person I ever heard bad, bad mouth Dave Grohl. It Are we shocked? No, are we all. shocked? Yeah, all. like, yeah. like it's not, that doesn't make me change my mind. Yeah, it's not like Buzz is known for his sunny disposition. You know <laughs> right. I mean? I mean, the guy's oh, got, you, oh, you mean that youth pastor? Yeah, yeah. The guy's got guy's got a ceiling full of action figures hanging from the ceiling. I, I think, think that's cool. I think it's super cool, but obviously he's got some issues. Yeah, he's a punk rock god, but yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> so Dave Grohl, this is what he said. This is how his every pre-show starts, and I'm going to read most of it. An hour and a half before the gig, I take three Advil. An hour before the gig, I have a Coors Light. About 50 minutes before the gig, I hit my first Jägermeister, finish the Coors Light, get another Coors Light going. Now there's a bunch of people around, so I'm throwing shots at everybody, and I'm taking shots with everyone in the room. The next Coors Light is down. I get a cold one. Now it's about 20 minutes before going on. I had three or four shots of Jäger and three Coors Light. Then they sort of clear the room, and we get 15 minutes to ourselves. This is bad. This is how I've spent every night of the last year and a half. That's why I'm not scared of the Lord. I've seen worse. So then 15 minutes before, we're like, we need our privacy, which is bullshit. We totally don't. So then it's all of us, and I feel guilty because I'm the only one who's been doing shots of the Jägermeister. So I start feeding shots of Jägermeisters to the rest of the band who are drinking white wine and champagne and whatever. So I'm pounding them with Jägermeister. Now I'm five or six shots in, and it's like it's time to walk to the stage. So I crack another beer. Do I have to show my work on this math problem? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, hold on. This is where it gets better. I I have to crack a cold one as I walk up and I pick up the bottle and drink the last inch of Jägermeister. So he pretty much finishes an entire Jägermeister with whoever's willing to to drink with him and like a six pack of Coors Light before taking the stage. I have two points. Yes. I'm from a very small town. Yes. That is not a lot of alcohol. And I say that because uh, men that I grew up with that are salt of the earth, blue collar, you know, hunter, redneck guys mm-hmm. drink a lot and they drink heavily. And that is like a Friday night. That's normal. That's a lot of alcohol, Jocelyn. It's a lot of alcohol. Brandon. But I do. Wait, I have a second point. Yeah. First off, this is Jocelyn talking about booze. We got to give her like a segment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Second point is that he's taking his time. You know, it's over a long period of time. Third point no, is that <laughs> it's an hour. That's a long period of time. Okay, go ahead. Third point is that. Uh, I'm not afraid of the Lord is a great new slogan for Jägermeister. Because mm. mm. that is what he said. Yeah, he said probably, he wasn't he said afraid, not afraid of the Lord. Because <laughs> he's seen worse. Probably the vomit that he's seen. He's probably seen the Holy Mother crying in his vomit after I, drinking it just doesn't seem, For a rock star, it doesn't seem like a lot to me. It doesn't seem like a lot to me. Oh, so in other words, their livers, the second you learn how to go G to chord to C chord, yeah. your liver all of a sudden gets a force field yes. around it? Okay. Yes. And he's older, though. He's not like 20. Yeah. 
I, I don't know Dave Grohl's exact age, but he's got to be 48, 50, something close around there. Nirvana was, you know. First off, black licorice is the worst fucking thing in the world. <laughs> uh, dude, like, I hate it is the worst. Yeah. And it's like, and for you to go, hey, I want to do that in liquid form, and I'm going to feel great. Yeah, like, you're right. Dude, Dave, come on. You're kind of right. I think Jaegermeister. You got a family, Dave. Yeah. You got a family to think about. So with that, <laughs> you guys think that that's not going to hinder his performance? Have Abs- you, have you well, seen Foo Fighters? Yeah, I've seen them. Quite They're a, a party band. Yeah, they're a party band, and I mean, <laughs> yeah. and it's like that's pretty. And it's not like, and it's not like David. He's know, not on fire. He's not on point. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, he's but just having but, fun. But that's yeah. what, but that's what makes the Foo Fighters yeah. fun to go see. Is the I guys agree. having fun? I mean, there's something. There's something to be said about. Okay, you look at Maynard. Is Maynard having fun on stage? I, every time I watch Tool, <laughs> you I'm hate just, Maynard. Maynard's great on stage. <laughs> no, no, no. He doesn't move. No, no, no. He yeah. sings great, but yeah. he's a terrible performer. <laughs> terrible performer. Okay, so they sound good. Like if my eyes were ripped out of my head, or if I were blind and I could never watch. Browns game, I'd probably be happier. But my thing is, though, it's like if I couldn't watch the tool, I'd be like, wow, they sound amazing. Right. You know what I mean? But watching tool, I'm disappointed because I'm like, fucking move. You know what I mean? Like, do something. They're very, very stationary. Yes. Yeah. Now, Joslyn and I knew you were going to bring the Browns game into we, this. We, 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 we were waiting for that to happen. Yeah. For, for people that don't know, the Browns lost to the Raiders today in a, in a horrendous Brown brown way. And me and Which Brandon, is, well, first off, horrendous Brown way is the Browns way. Yeah. That's like <laughs> how they do it. Horrendous me, Brown way is what I call my me asshole. Me and Brandon are <laughs> what'd you say nothing oh. <laughs> me and brennan are browns fans so so brennan came in screaming and he threw his phone and threw it right off my leg as hard as he did could. i hit it did i hit your leg yeah, yeah. oh did i yeah oh did i didn't mean to hit you no we were we were totally sitting in here like battered wives yeah, like, oh, yeah we were we were football. silent as brennan was screaming i was like please leave the room is that why you, <laughs> is that why you guys made me a sandwich yeah yeah oh, okay yeah that's why pete fucked you all right sweet wait 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 i was on top <laughs> Let's <laughs> on that note this October behemoth will release their new album. I loved you at your darkest via metal blade records, a crushing salvo of black metal majesty replete with hellish riffs, thundering drum cannonades and soaring liturgical choirs reminiscent of classic horror cinema. I loved you at your darkest is the group's most dynamic record yet. Pre-order it now at metalblade.com slash behemoth and be sure to catch behemoth on the road this fall with at the gates and wolves in the throne room. Once again, guys, metalblade.com slash behemoth. Make sure you pick up this record. And with that, guys, let's jump into my interview with Scott Vogel from terror. Everybody, what is going on, man? It's Petter with the metal sucks podcast on the phone, man. I got Scott from terror. We are here to talk about total retaliation. It's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of vibe to me. You know, I've been listening to it for all week. Uh, of the keepers of the faith, was that kind of something that you were thinking about when you guys were writing some of these songs? I think you know, honestly, I think the plan was to take the catchiness and the bounce and the hooks of keepers of the faith, but make it harder, heavier, uh, more aggressive. Because I think right now, although the band as uh, as a uh, the band and the people in the band and the way we're vibing, we're in a really good place. I think the world's in kind of an ugly place. And I don't think right now there's too much positive stuff going on in the world, especially here in America. Since to reflect the times, I think we had to come with something as a, and negative as possible. You know what I, I really like? I have producers that I follow because I love the sound they bring out of certain genres, like Eric Rutan with death metal, but... Will Putney with hardcore is is really he's he's coming up there, man, because he makes the vocalists. It just seems like he gets a real passionate, hard performance from you guys. And this is the first time that you've worked with him. Is that correct? 
That is absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, he definitely had hands on everything from uh, shaping the songs. We de- we definitely, uh, but we had maybe too many songs. I'd say we had like 25 ideas for songs. But he definitely had a vision of, he wanted the record to sound like. And sometimes in Terror itself, we've got a few strong opinions on what direction things could go. And I think luckily everyone trusted him and he wanted to push this thing in a direction that was, I would say, getting rid of a lot of maybe the thrashier, rockier things. Because sometimes our uh, songwriters come in with things that are a little more on the metaler side or thrashier side. And there's a few riffs like that on this record, but I think Will had a kind of a goal to push this thing in a more straight up hardcore direction. And... Vocally, I think I think maybe it just centers around how pissed off the lyrics and the music is. I think when you have stuff like that, you can't really come with a, a weak vocal performance. When the music just has that negativity and energy to it, it just kind of... <laughs> I don't want to say brings out the beast in me, but that that's kind of a little corny. But it's just easier to, to really deliver an angry vocal performance. And, you know, this is going to sound kind of contradictive, too. But we just had a good vibe in the studio and, and really trusted in Will. You know, I've had some producers that we've had, uh, I don't want to say confrontations, but it was a little more butting heads. But when things are going smooth and you just get in a vibe and there isn't tension, I think that's when your best work comes out and you actually capture the actual anger of the song as opposed to when you're angry, sometimes that takes away from it, from what I found. Nice, dude. So one thing, because you just brought up bringing out the beast, man. Scott, <laughs> I've seen you live. It doesn't matter who you, you guys are playing with. I've seen you with Demu Borger. I've seen you with you know, Suicidal, whoever it is. The point is, is that every time it's like World War Z, or you get us to rush that stage and just kind of absolute manic, right? And that... That that's not in the scene a lot these days. You have some sort of talent to just bring it out there, you know. When you step on that stage, I mean, what is your mentality? Is it just like we are going to start a riot? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that that all. Well, thank you, and I'm, uh, I appreciate the the kind words. If those are kind words, oh, they are kind words. But um, yeah, I think it goes back to like my my uh, introduction to the scene and my upbringing. You know, I just grew up in the hardcore scene where the energy in the room hits its peak when the crowd and the band are kind of on the same exact plane. There isn't much separation and the crowd's going off and the the band is feeding off the crowd and vice versa. You know, there is a there is a boiling point when people are getting hurt or people take my words and the aggression and kind of turn it into I'm gonna hurt someone at the show I I, I never want that but there is this kind of beautiful there is this kind of beautiful mending of crowd energy and aggression and the band all is one just sweating it out singing the words together and everyone uh losing their mind and then when it's over you kind of feel a uh you know a positive release and, and like 
wow, that was maybe a little bit dangerous, but in a good way. Dude, and that's rare, though. And and I know you've seen other other guys up there be like, let's start this circle pit, and the crowd just got their arms crossed, you know, just looking. But that never happens with her. That's, that's something that never happens, and that's what I love, man. And you're right, but I always blame the individual that takes it too far. You know, they need to, I never blame like the crowd because like it's always like 95% of us is good and then one dude wants to punch somebody, you know? Um, Right, right. And that's, that's, that's a bum out. And that's the, if you hit someone hard because you're just going off, that's one thing. But if you're, if you're, if you go into a show saying, I hope I hurt somebody, then you're, you're in the wrong place. Definitely at our shows, you're in the wrong place. Go, go do that somewhere else. A hundred percent, man. And one thing about those shows that I in in I love the set list every time. I know what I'm going to get. Um, that's so hard to capture on record is that live energy and feel. I feel you caught it with "Live by the Code" and "25th Hour." I feel those were like experiencing terror live, just nice. straight up, boom, boom, boom. But like a lot of my favorite songs are songs that you know, won't fit in that atmosphere, that energy. Like, going back to Keepers of the Faith, I remember a track, The New Blood, is like, that is one of my favorite songs, but that's not going to feel to that vibe. So, with a hardcore band, a lot of time I feel like when you go into the studio, you got the the songs that are energy live, and then there's songs that are like craftsmen. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that, that definitely is. Uh, but sometimes you can break the mold, like that the song off uh, Keepers of the Faith, You're Caught, which is like, definitely an outside-the-box song for terror, which I would fit into your category of songs that don't fit in our live set. But somehow we just forced it in and played it all the time, and now it's it's a song that we play live every show and always goes over good. So I think you're right. Um, there's, definitely, there's definitely songs for a terror set because you just don't want the energy to... I know for me, once we have the crowd moving, I, I don't want to stop. That's why sometimes we'll do eight songs back to back because once you have them, you don't want to lose them or like uh, quote unquote, put them to sleep because it's harder to wake them up again. I do think though you want to do have a couple shifts in the set, even like a band like terror that wants to just smash you for 30 minutes and then say it's over and, and walk away. You do want to introduce a couple songs like you're caught. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard for us making a set list now. Because we've got, I don't know, seven, eight records. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of our set lists are like 40, 30, 30, up to 40 minutes. So it's really hard to please ourselves and please uh, the crowd because they're different. They come, they have different favorite records. They have different favorite songs. We have different favorite songs. And to fit that all into one uh, shorter set is kind of hard, but... Somehow it always works out. <laughs> uh, completely, I agree, man. Like when I, I'll tell you, when I got live to the, uh, live by the code a couple years back, the booklet was first off super impressive. So I want to give you guys props to that. I know that's an old thing, but I just remember like you can you can go on stage and do from start to finish. Same with twenty fifth hour, and those like twenty five minutes, dude, and, and that's just a perfect energy, perfect set list for you guys. Now, obviously, there's songs I want to hear from the other albums. But like that mentality is always like kind of what I think about when I think about hardcore. But then there's records that, man, I, I love them and I listen to them, but I don't know if we can like if, if it would if it would hurt the, the set list like the damned and the shamed. I love that record, dude. I really do. But you guys I, I haven't seen you guys put a lot of those songs in the set list. If I'm wrong, do you guys play anything off that record? I want to say zero. Yeah. I, wanna, I, is, I think Betrayers on that, yeah. that record that. That's a song that 
I mean, that's like one that we all love, and, and it has a really cool element to the middle that's really outside the box for terror. And we played that song live for a long time, and I could see it coming back. But it's just like we keep piling up these new releases, and it's like it kind of just gets lost in the shuffle. But I, I got to be honest, that's my my least favorite terror record, and it, it's it's not so much the music, but that was just maybe the darkest time for terror, where we were the the some of us were the drunkest and most wild, and we were kind of off the rails. And uh, so I think in the back of my mind, I always think about man, that was. That was a scary time for the band. The band could have ended at any point there, so I kind of just like black it out of my mind. <laughs> oh, no, I, I get that, man. Because, I mean, I saw you guys on Always the Hard Way. That was a record prior, for people that don't know. And that record right. is, uh, I mean, it still gets a lot of setless play. As a matter of fact, you threw me the mic one time, and I got to scream Always the Hard Way. I'll never forget that moment And uh, when you guys were <laughs> live one time. So following that record, I remember thinking... The Damned and the Shamed was going to be like, I guess, like 25th hour, but it did kind of take like a a more record approach. So mentally, that makes a lot of sense. So and that's something that I never a lot of people don't consider is like when you guys make the songs, even though the songs are strong, you remember a different experience in creation, you know, and, and total retaliation. Your creation was just positive the whole way. I feel like sometimes I read like terror reviews. And they're like, just another terror record. You know what you're getting. And to me, it's like, fuck, man. We put so much effort into these. And maybe to the average person, they don't even hear it that way. It's, it gets kind of frustrating sometimes, but I don't let that get me. I know that record is a different place in time and a whole different vibe for us. I think you guys actually the opposite. I think you guys really do create something different every single time, but somehow stay into that hardcore punk genre, you know, which is, uh, I think, I think it, 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 that's pigeonholing people, I think, in a lot of ways, you know. I could let that shit piss me off when I hear that, but it's like, it's not worth getting mad. I know, I know that people like you and people like me and, and whatever, our fa- I don't like to use the word fan, but our fan base, they know, they, they pay attention and to the average person, they just hear a fast part into a breakdown and be like, oh, it's terror, same as always. And that's just like a really narrow-minded, quick way of thinking, so I, I really shouldn't concentrate on that too much. But sometimes it is a bum out to take two years and put it into the writing and then you see someone say that, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, could you at least, if you're going to review the record, could you at least give it a fair shake? One thing that I, I always love about hardcore is that is that the element that stays is the lyrics, you know, the, the passion and the, the chants. You know, that's what we're there for as a crowd, you know. It's like a, an experience for us, you know. And that's why every record, to me, is different, because we we're saying different things. There's growth you know if you go back to the damned and the shamed and you go to total you know retaliation i mean dude you've grown and there's so much different lyrics that we've grown with you you know what i'm saying and that's something that reviewers never seem to focus on that these days which which kind of bothers me cuz that's such an important element to like your guys' sound yeah i mean that's that's probably the the nicest compliment you can uh give me as as the voice of the band i mean i always grew up with anything like music to me, I, I'm a big fan of hip hop and hip hop to me, the, the stuff that speaks to me the most is the lyrics where I, I hear it and it moves me and it challenges me. So, uh, I mean, 
I don't think lyrically you have to be a poet or a rocket scientist. I think you just got to say something where the people connect with it and they don't even have to agree with it. They don't even have to have been through something similar, but if they can feel your, your, your highs and lows and the, the joys and pains and connect to it, then I think that's the most important thing. And, and I know like for me, the hardcore scene when I was younger was teaching me lots of things, teaching me, you know, as a, as a, a white kid coming from the suburbs of Buffalo, you know, you, you get fed a lot of bullshit by, by the, the, the real world or the, the civilian world. And the hardcore scene taught me to be a totally open-minded person to question everything and to be a free thinker and to, to just have a different outlook on life than everything else was teaching me. And that's something that will, that has stuck with me forever. And I'm super grateful for. So I, I do agree with you completely that even if the music is always in the same, uh, you know, fast part chorus, fast part chorus breakdown. If you put lyrics over it that matter, you're always going to have a, a fresh outlook on things. And that's to, to the concert goer. That's huge, man. Like there's a new, there's a new track on the, the record. It's called resistant to the changes. And dude, I relate to that so much like lyrically. And like, I just want to scream with the crowd at you. You know, I don't know if it's going to be in, in the live set, but the point is like, how long does it take someone like you to embrace changes? Or do you think it's smarter to ignore a lot of it? Changing and growth is definitely needed. And it's, it's sometimes hard. It's sometimes hard to, uh, you know, there's positive change and there's negative change. So uh, that song is, it can be looked at both ways. Like it's great to grow, but it's also great to hold on to the positive values that you have. And also you see a lot of negative things changing around you and you want to be combative to that. You don't want to just jump on a bandwagon because it's something new and everyone's doing it. If it's fucking bullshit nonsense. And uh, I think that that song in itself, like you were uh, saying, is very, uh, we put it last because it's so strong. You, you want to end your record strong. And uh, that was a song when we were doing the uh, sequencing. Um, we had uh, ups earlier in this record because it's such a strong song. But then we decided this song's so strong, we can put it last. Yeah, I just think, I think that song is like a like like a song keepers of the faith or always the hard way it's very much an anthem that people can latch onto and like you're saying like people can relate to it and sing along to it it sounds like you're saying it's going to be in the set list <laughs> <laughs> you know we 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 were in a we were just in Europe and we were playing the song the only song we were playing was a uh, spirit of sacrifice and when we start uh US headlining uh, tour in uh, and I say headlining not because I want to say how cool we are we're, that we're headlining but we're going to have to play a longer set so we're going to we haven't had that conversation yet what songs are going to be in the set list so I'm sure we'll probably be three maybe maybe yeah I'd say three new songs so we'll see cool man and we're talking about like the changes and kind of like having to fight against a lot that like modern day society like you said it's such a negative place right now even though it's positive in your world do you think that modern day culture feels temporary to you or is this kind of a permanent thing hmm. i think with the way people are now they're so influenced by what they see everything 
everything is on their phone and in their face. And I think people just see things and want it and want to be a part of it and want to dress like that and want to cut their hair like that. And if they keep seeing things that society or advertising shoves in their face, they just want to be a part of it because they're, they're like cheap. So I think things are very temporary now. Like you're on a Instagram and you keep seeing things over and over and you got to go out and buy that or you got to join that. So I think things are very temporary and I think it's really sad. And I think people are bought and sold so quickly and want to be a part of whatever's trendy. And as soon as the climate changes and something new comes along, they throw away that old trend that they jumped on and never really believed in and never really took the time to learn what they were a part of. And they're on to the next thing. And I think it's pretty crazy. So I think things are very temporary. I agree, man. I think that identity and, and things that you, you love, that's what helps you grow. And if you change that on a constant basis, then you're just constantly in turmoil. Yeah, and you you're constantly have one foot in and one foot out because you're, you're, you're never really fully understanding what you're a part of and, and you're not even committed to it. You're just doing it because others are doing it. And that's, that's really sad. Like, I know, and I, I don't want to just keep harping on how amazing hardcore is, but I know for the hardcore scene, it was just hard. To, like, when you found it, you were part of a small section of people that found this thing, and it was work to to be a part of it. You had a you had a search for things, and, and you had to like work for things. And now everything's just so easy to be a part of. It doesn't really it doesn't really command your commitment. So of course these people come and go and become part of other things because they're, they're not really com invested. I agree, man. Like, and for personalities that I think that probably like us, like breaking the rules is easy. Conforming is hard, you know, but I think that's the reverse for a lot of people that conforming is, is where they find comfort, but having comfort and being an outcast is kind of important in a way to find your identity. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think now it's it's so it's so acceptable to be a, a visual rebel, to be covered in tattoos and have some weird fucking green hair and some fucking whatever else. You you can look like a rebel. It's so accepting, and you can just look up what the costume is and go out and get it immediately. That it's almost it's more of like a fashion statement now and the, the actual mentality and the actual mindset of going against the grain is completely thrown out the window and completely, uh, this is kind of a strong word, but desecrated by the visual statement of being a rebel that you're almost just fitting in and wanting to be noticed Whereas the, the, like you use the term outcast, that whole mentality isn't even a part of the look. So you're almost like fitting in and begging for attention, which is just absolutely against what it, what, you know, the, <laughs> the way you're trying to look was uh, created for. Now, one thing I did want to bring up, man, because I mean, the track always, always stuck with me, but to quote a lyric off 25th hour, you got no time for fools. How do you escape <laughs> it? Cause they're everywhere now to me 
I, I think really just becoming comfortable with yourself and saying, I don't give a fuck what these people around me are doing. I don't give a fuck what people are saying about me. Uh, I will not be influenced or even let them frustrate me. I'm just going to be set in my ways and be comfortable with who I am. And also another great tool is headphones. I mean, when I, when I leave my house, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much keep to myself. And when I, <clears throat> excuse me, put, when I leave my house, I have my headphones on and, uh, you know, like a lot of people annoy me with the way they carry themselves, with the way they need attention, with the way they just frustrate me with being rude and inconsistent. I, I used to just do this thing where, you know, I'm like, I was raised to be a kind person. And like, let's say I'm going into, you know, Walgreens, the pharmacy, and some woman is coming behind me, I'll stop and hold the door open for her. And they just sometimes don't even look at me and say thank you. And it used to really frustrate me. And I used to just be like, under my breath, would be like, yo, I'm, I'm not your door boy. You could at least say thank you. But now I'll still hold the door because I know it's the right thing to do. If this woman doesn't say a word to me, that's her problem. I, I'm not going to let it bother me. So I think just, being a good person and doing what you think is right and not letting people frustrate you. Yeah, dude, that's the thing is that people, they have that mentality that someone wants something from them at all times. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. You, you, you're you saying people think you have an ulterior motive. I, I just, I have a, a problem in my brain where I look for the worst in people and try to uh, let it fester. And I've tried my best to not do that, you know, like, I've realized that when I do kind things or do the right thing, I need to do that because I know that's right and do it for myself. And if other people don't acknowledge that or if other people react to it shitty or because they, you know, they maybe maybe this woman is used to people opening the door for her and doesn't acknowledge them, I, I can't let that bother me. You know, I just have to do what I think is right. And if people are, you know, I mean, I live in Los Angeles, so you have a lot of stuck up people that are entitled. If that's the way they are, they can live their life that way. And I, I just can't let it bother me because when I do let it bothers me, I'll let the next, you know, then I'll, uh, you know, I'll be in line at the, the market and the person behind me is talking super loud on their phone. And I'm like, wow, that's really rude. That's starting to bother me. And then, you know, it's just, it's a, a vicious cycle of, of, being annoyed by people so i just would rather choose now to put in headphones and listen to good music and let these people go on with their rude lives and, and try to live mine in peace and that's and that's the crazy thing is that i completely relate to that and living in peace is living in solitude in a lot of ways these days we we, we are constantly in conflict with let it be entitlement or something you know of that nature and that that that's a new thing to me. I never felt that way before. You know, I really feel that it's best I don't run into other humans in my day to day life, <laughs> and I, uh, that I'll be happy. That's an amazing statement. I, I completely agree with that. Running into the the least amount of humans I can per day is going to make my day a lot better. Isn't that sad though? Isn't that crazy? Oh, it's fucking it's extremely sad. And even the 
even the people that you think are being nice to you might turn around and, and try to like steal your fucking identity. You don't know. People are fucking crazy. Yeah, dude. Ugh. Anyway, so yeah, I don't want I don't want to get on a downer because uh, I want to keep talking about this record, dude. It's, it's phenomenal. I love Total Retaliation. I love everything you guys did. I want everybody to keep the whole. I, I feel people should be jealous if they haven't gone through the journey like I have in my life. You know, it's it's one of those things. Um, and uh, there is a hip hop track on this one. I think this is the first time we've done it since Always the Hard Way, though. There's just like an interlude. Um, tell me about that track and why you felt it, it fit into this record. Well, that that's I I appreciate that you know that uh, we had something very similar to this on hard, Always the Hard Way because I've been doing some interviews in this record and people would be like. Uh, I'm really confused. Like, you have this hip-hop track on this record. Like, what is that? And I'm like, okay, in my head, I'm like, okay, you have absolutely no idea of the history of the band, which is fine. But, yeah, I mean, on Always the Hard Way, we had something very similar to this called uh, Merce and Dibs Check-In, or Dibs and Merce Check-In, I can't remember. And, uh, I mean, it's just everyone in in care listens to hip-hop to certain degrees, I feel a huge, huge uh, parallel between the, the, the underground hip-hop scene and the hardcore scene. And, uh, you know, some of the greatest lyrics that have moved me come from hip-hop. And um, it's Vinny Paz from the Jedi Mind Tricks, who is uh, not only a friend of the band, but uh, comes from the hardcore scene and knows our world very well. And I just think it's really cool to break up the record with something in the middle that's totally outside the box. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's like a minute interlude and it's, it's a really hard beat and angry lyrics and it fits in great with the record. And, uh, we are really, I guess, blessed to have him because he's, uh, kind of a big deal in the, in the hip hop world. So for him to just be like, yeah, I want to be involved in the record. Tell me what you want. And I was like, just just get a beat and rap over it for for a little bit. And he just sent it to us. Um, you know, I don't want to put the business aspect out of there, but he did it completely free of charge. And uh, you don't find that too much, especially in the hip hop world. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't speak too much for the hip hop world because I'm not fully a part of it. But in, in any musical genre, to have a very established artist just take his time and go into a studio and send us a song and not ask for anything. Just do it for the love of music and friendship is really cool. Has hip hop, um, been in, in a, in kind of a rut lately? Like we think that aren't into the scene or is it really just living underground? Cause a lot of the mainstream stuff does seem, um, not that impressive from the outside looking in Am, am I being unfair? No, a lot of the mainstream stuff I would consider absolutely horrible, like unlistenable, like laughable. The SoundCloud stuff, I think, is something as a result of everyone can record now and everyone can upload music now. So I'm sure in the SoundCloud world, there are a couple gems hidden amongst a bunch of terrible artists that using the word artists on them is uh, a way, way, way reach. Um, but 
I, I think in everything I'm saying too, you can relate to the hardcore world or the, you know, the heavy music world. There's so many bands. There's so much terrible shit. Everyone can record a demo and put it up and push it on the internet like it's changing the world. And then you hear it and you're like, what the fuck is this? This is terrible. I think that that gets brought up in every genre of music. But as someone that follows hip hop, and you can say this again in hardcore, if you just look beneath the surface and, and really search, you're going to find like amazing artists like, uh, uh just a, some names like Mayhem Loren, amazing hip hop, uh, Conway the Machine and West Side Gun, amazing hip hop. Um, and then there's older people like Raekwon and Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan, older artists still putting out amazing shit. So I think it's just like the hardcore scene. There's so much garbage and people have taken the word hardcore and making music that doesn't even sound anything like traditional hardcore, just like traditional hip hop and rap. There's stuff that just sounds terrible. Like how could you, how could you call this hip hop? But if you dig beneath it, you're going to find amazing, traditional, awesome emceeing with, with real beats and samples that are keeping the essence of hip hop alive. And that's something that I always try to promote on the show is guys, you have, it's work to find some of the greats in this time because there's a snowstorm of media thrown at us, but you got to search through it all to find like the really good stuff. It's not going to hit you in the face. It's not going to be delivered to you in a lap. I feel like it's always been that way, you know, but I just think it was easier back in the day. I don't feel like it was so much media. I mean, anyone, I, I literally have never rapped in my life. I could literally today call myself a rapper, record four songs, put them up on the internet by tomorrow and take pictures of myself with some sort of obscure, cool get up to get attention and start writing, I'm the best new rapper, I'm the fucking shit, I'm better than your favorite rapper. And some people would just be like, oh shit, this guy's cool. When in fact, I would suck at rapping. Like, it's it's just crazy. I feel it's temporary, too. Like, we were talking about that earlier question, this cultural thing. I think it's temporary. It's not permanent. Um, and uh, so, absolutely. And the only ones that will stick around are the ones that get some sort of weird... Uh, somehow, they become famous, and people buy into their nonsense. Then they'll stick around until, until the hype's over. But I think for most of these people, it's a trend, and... And I'm not against trying to do music. I think it's great that people have laptops and we can, can record themselves and explore and expand. But I just think there is a lack of quality and, and people are just settling. And, and you know, like, I, I don't think they even know the art of sampling or what sampling is or real wordplay. They just think if you rhyme... uh you don't know us with come on and blow us. They think that's rapping and, and they put that over uh, something that goes boom, bop, boom, bop. They think they have a song. They think they have a, a hip hop song and it's just like the art is just lost and it's just, it's really kind of sad. 
The last question I want to ask you, man, before we get out of here, once again, everybody, Total Retaliation, make sure you guys pick up this record. This is, uh, to me, man, it's, it's one of my best of the year, and you can check me on well, December when I say it. Uh, I will have it on my list for sure. So I want everybody to make sure you guys pick this up. New Terror fans, if you haven't picked up a record, this is a great starting point, and just go back. you know. But this is a fantastic record. So last question for you, Scott. When you started Terror, what were your goals, and have you reached them today? I mean, the goals were simple. Just go out and play and play from our hearts and not get any sort of ego. Just get on stage and and let it all out and give all the aggression and energy we can. So uh, it wasn't a huge goal, and it isn't very hard of a goal. That that's That should be any musician's goal. So I think we've reached it. I think the beauty, the beautiful thing, though, is we've maintained it for so fucking long, which is very hard. Uh, I never thought we would have out all these records and be able to tour the world over and over again. And, uh, you know, we never became the biggest band, but we've maintained a loyal fan base. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So, uh, yes, we've uh, we've uh, we didn't set the goals too high. We just set the goals more of a conviction thing, and we've obtained and maintained, so that's cool. That and that's exactly. I completely agree. You maintain something for you know fifteen years now. A terror show is still a special thing, you know. And people that go to terror shows know. Oh, you've been yes. Let's go. And that's something. Like I said, it's a rarity. Terror live is easily one of the best concerts you're going to see out there, and that's because the crowd and the band all know what they're there for. And that's something, that's a universe you guys created. So uh, congratulations to that, and thank you for that. And also thank you for this new record, Total Retaliation, guys. Make sure you pick up a physical copy. Support, support, support. Tour dates, check it out. And uh, with that, Scott, man, I want to thank you so much, dude, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Well, thank you. You throughout this whole thing said very kind things about the band, and we really appreciate it. And I do agree that people should check out this record because I think uh, definitely since Keepers of the Faith, this is probably our best record. And I might, I might, I don't want to say it's our best record, but it's, it's up there in some of the heaviest, most aggressive stuff we've done. Fucked up world we live in. If 
And we are back, guys. First song you heard is off a of Total Retaliation. That song is called Mental Demolition. Second song, same record, Spirit of Sacrifice. Excellent, excellent record. Make sure you guys pick that up if you haven't yet. Catch them on tour right now with Harm's Way. Third song you heard, guys, there's a band called Daughters. Their first record, Eight Years, is coming out. It's called You Won't Get What You Want. It's coming out October 26th. The song you heard is The Reason They Hate Me. Fantastic record. Make sure you guys pick that one up as well. Wait a minute. You Won't Get What You Want. Is that a theme song for Cleveland Browns fans? Okay. (laughs) Is that what it's about? We're going to have to give you a Brown yelling segment on this show. You know, that's something I'll email Vince and Axel. They'll be like, fuck no. But we we will try not to do the podcast Sunday Sunday after Brown's game. Oh, Let's no, try. we are never doing We will never do it. Uh, my leg is bruised from your cell phone. <laughs> you guys are true friends. <laughs> the Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.